All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. cool? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. <laughs> what up everyone? DJ Nubis. With you on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, episode 73 of the Hordes of Chaos. I am alone, neko free for a while. <clears throat> As we discussed on episode 72, uh, Neko is on travel for work, which takes her away for a couple months or so. Um, but she misses you all and wants to be here, obviously. So I will keep up the mantle here of getting these podcasts out to you, new music every week, as well as some classic stuff as well, and uh, topics that I find interesting and talk about. Got a few cool topics to get to. I only got um, one review for a movie. I just saw that last night. I'm going to get to that later uh, after our first block. Um, a lot of new music coming from the labels and promotional sites that I work with. So uh music records grand sounds um Quibar, everlasting spew inverse uh horror pain etc they have a lot of stuff for me um actually they've been sending shit last week or so so i've got like stuff coming out my ass that they keep sending but there's a lot of stuff that i've got today that i'm playing that i'm actually going to go back and listen to the full records because the songs that i chose we're obviously really good, um, but the whole record sounds like they're going to be fucking awesome too. So we're going to have some stuff for music records in this first block from a band called Cage. Uh, they're one of the ones that I want to go and dive a little more into. Uh, pretty cool shit. Um, Topic-wise, uh, some music stuff, obviously. Uh, interesting about uh, Allison Change and Clash of the Titans tour. I've been talking with people about a little bit of that on Facebook over the last week or two because people are always asking like what's your favorite concerts whatever but got some interesting news on that um stuff about Sebastian Bach and Chris Jericho uh if you watched Metal of Mania last night uh in their episode I think 172 
uh, their pigweed uh, interview. They um, also talked a little bit about the Jericho Bach thing, and it's it's pretty uh, wild. I mean, I'm not shocked uh, from the end of Sebastian Bach, who's basically uh, prima donna diva. Um, I've seen some of his other work, just in terms of like his persona. So I'm gonna get into that a little bit later on. And anyway, we're gonna get into this first block of music. Uh, I'm just gonna kick out. We got a couple of old classics here from Osprey Annex and Crucianum. So we're gonna kick off some Osprey Annex. This is Revelation of the Inquisition. <laughs>
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. Bobby? What? Have a pint and a pickled egg. Come and try that. Who's there? All right. Opening clip from the movie The Gentleman from 2019. Uh, I remember when that trailer got released, I, I was really interested in it. I didn't realize how good it'd be. Um, it's directed by Guy Ritchie. And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty incredible movie, actually. It's so good. I ordered it on DVD just because that's really good shit. Um, the acting by four gentlemen in particular uh, was amazing. In fact, just now realized that one of the main characters is played by Hugh Grant. I thought it looked like him, but I wasn't quite sure at the time. But phenomenal job on his part. Colin Farrell, uh, excellent in this. I'm usually not a big fan of his, but he, he did this role like masterfully. Um, then you got other great uh, acting, of course, Matthew McConaughey, who's been doing great for the last 15, 20 years. Uh, and then Charlie Hunnam, who would have been uh, one of the lead actors on Sons of Anarchy show. Um, even though I had stopped after like season four or five because I just got annoyed that a lot of my favorite characters were dying off in that show. I thought that his role... Uh, was very good, and he did a, a great job in this movie as well. Basically, uh, McConaughey plays this uh, American marijuana kingpin uh, who is in England, and he's looking just basically to cash out, but what happens is he's got all these uh, rivals and people that he's worked with that want a piece of that pie, and they start blackmailing him or find ways to try to like get him out of the way to get cheaper price on it whatnot. Uh, so it, it's, it's a lot of cat and mouse stuff. Um, as I was telling Neko, uh, it's got a very Departed feel about it, although Departed is a little more serious drama, whereas this 
has drama, but it's it's a, there's a lot of comedic aspects about it, uh, especially with the British humor. So, um, I think people really enjoy it. It's it's, it's a really good flick. Um, highly recommended. So that's basically my review on that. Uh, there's just a lot of twists and turns throughout things that you thought might happen don't, uh, and etc. etc. So very worth the time. All right, so into our next block of music. Got uh, some classic Maiden in there, but I've got a couple of new tracks from Air Force provided by Grand Sounds Promotion and then Poltergeist with new stuff in them. But here's Air Force, Finest Hour. Break formation.
Podcast. New episode of the Hordes of Chaos. Talking a little bit with Neko on text. She's out at the ship, but she's still kind of in cell range. So, been chatting with her a little bit. Uh, obviously, we've been watching our numbers spike up recently with our downloads and stuff. So, we are both very grateful and thankful for all the people that are supporting the Metal Tavern Radio podcast. We're hoping that we're doing a good enough job of getting out some bands you may not be aware of and talking about interesting things no matter if it's you know music or movie related whatever um obviously uh we collaborated with metal mania last week uh with our favorites of the half year uh favorite records of the year uh crypt and i put a lot of work into him more than me that's because it's his little thing there I was just kind of appearing, <laughs> but uh, we—I think we had some pretty good picks and selections. So uh, if you have not checked out that uh, episode of uh, Special Metal Mania, do so. There's a lot of good music in there. We actually have a couple of classic stuff that we threw in as well. I think his was Violence, and mine was uh, Laws Rocket. So very cool stuff. Check it out. Uh, much again, very appreciative of all the people to support this podcast. It means a lot to us. Uh, into some other topics of discussion. Um, Sticks, classic rock band from the 70s, 80s, and still kind of kicking along. Uh, working on a new album. They're recording a new album. Almost mixed. Uh, Tommy Shaw, one of the original members, uh, still with the band, says that they're really working hard on it. Um, Obviously, James Young uh, is still involved to some degree anyway. Uh, they have a guy, I think, who took over vocals and keyboards from Dennis DeYoung uh, named uh, Gowan Lawrence, or Lawrence Gowan, I'm not sure which is his first name. I, I Styx released uh, The Mission back in 2017. It was actually a very solid record, considering how much time has passed. Usually, It's usually hard for classic rock bands to still resonate as we go on um but somehow they've managed to do it um even night ranger you know a couple albums ago did pretty well uh the who uh has a lot of uh their last record they put out a year or two ago is very good so there's still some classic rock bands that are still doing it and getting it out there pretty nicely to us um but yeah Styx is working on a new one so I'm kind of anxious to hear that when they're done. Uh, other news, um, as I was talking about earlier in the in the podcast, that you know I'm part of these Facebook pages and these groups and whatnot, and there's always topics of discussion about your favorite concert events and all that stuff. And one of the ones that's always stuck with me is Clash of the Titans from 1990 when I was still in Colorado and I saw them at Red Rocks. Now, granted, I was tripping my balls off for most of that show, but I remember it quite clearly regardless. Um, 
one of the things about that though was and there's gonna be some differing I've heard different things about why Allison Change is on was on that bill. Um I can't remember where I heard the other information. It might have been a documentary I was watching, I can't remember. However, recently on Blabbermouth, uh Megadeth bases Dave Eppleson had talked about uh, Allison Chains and being very impressive to them. Now that's something that's consistent with all the thrash bands that were on that bill, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. They all said that uh, Allison Chains was pretty impressive and a nice opener for them. When I saw them, though, in 90, like, they to, to me, like, I understood why like, it was kind of weird for me. I was about 20. And, you know, you go into that kind of show and you're expecting, like, nothing but thrash. And here it is, we have this band that would later become one of the biggest things in grunge, rock, and metal. Uh, and Allison Change at the time, these guys were getting pelted with all sorts of shit. And I always talk about how, you know, Lane's kind of, like, singing a song and then, like, he kind of sidesteps and ducks out from this, like milk container jug that gets strong past him and he says hi you miss me motherfucker and then he starts singing the rest of the song without missing a beat like that's just like incredible to me and I, I grew like an appreciation for them at the time and then hearing some of the other songs because this was during the facelift uh era and I went and bought the record and fell in love with that record so it obviously it wasn't a thrash band or thrash record but uh, a lot of appreciation for what they were dealing with and how they just kind of stuck with it. But there was some talk that Allison Chains got that because Death Angel initially was supposed to be on that bill, which would have been cool as fuck. But they had gotten in an accident of some sorts and were not able to do the tour. So Allison Chains got uh, stuck onto the tour with the rest of the bands. Now, according to Dave. He says that uh, when they were touring Europe, Megadeth was, uh, they ended up somehow getting Allison Chains to open up for him. And they, they, you know, him and another guy, I think as he said, Marty Friedman, really liked what AIC was doing. So they uh, requested from their uh, agents and whatnot when they got back to the States to have. Uh, Allison Chains open up for them on um, uh, Clash of Titans tour. So, obviously, Anthrax and, and Slayer had to agree to all this, and apparently Scott Ian from Anthrax was a big fan of theirs as well. So, obviously, between the three bands, they all ended up wanting AIC to be on the bill, so that's why they got there. Uh, not sure how much of it is true compared to the Death Angel thing, but maybe it's all a little bit of both. Um, ironically, though, uh, a couple other bands that were brought to Megadeth's attention at the time, maybe this is actually, actually, this is probably a bit later on. Um, I don't think it's even around the same time, because it, it doesn't make sense, but apparently the agents had brought in a couple other bands to their attention, Korn and Stone Temple Pilots, but neither one of these in the 90, you know, 1990 were really... Um, that big, I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I know Corn ended up going to the Milwaukee Metal Fest in '94, which is right around when they released their debut. So, 
I could see that happening. Uh, I'm not sure if Corn was really in that same place in 1990. Like, obviously, they were probably in a band by then, but I don't know if it was in the same place. Same with Stone Temple Pilots. Um, but that's interesting with Alice in Chains, you know, just from that perspective. Um, and that you find these thrash bands and the members of them really like them. You know, a lot of times fans are like, nah, it's thrash or nothing. But, you know, when you... I don't know, I've always grown up and I've always liked different varied styles of rock and metal. So I'm not very locked into just one particular thing. I do like death and thrash, like, the most when it comes to what I listen to and as far as the metal genre. Uh, but it's not limited to that. So, interesting story there. All right. Back into another block of music for you all. I'm not going to bore you too much with talk today, but just figured I'd point out a couple of things. But in this block, uh, all stuff comes from Kobar and Everlasting Speed Records. Um, got some Narcissistic Necrosis, Void Rot, and Desolator. Um, Void Rot and Desolator, I'm definitely going to have to like check out a lot more of. I, I have heard Void Rot before, so... Um, they're not new to me, but the new record is, and I haven't got a chance to listen to the whole thing yet. But because the record's not out, uh, obviously the request from Everlasting is only play one particular track, so that's what you're going to get here in this block. But we're going to kick it off with some narcissistic necrosis. This is on Tolerant Breeding.
DJ Nubis getting ready to go into our rock block for today. A um, couple more uh, submissions by our good friends at Inverse Records as well as Quabar PR. They got a lot of stuff for me today. Um, so, some new stuff from Lament Cityscape and then Ruckwater is going to kick off our rock block. I also got new stuff from Boris. Uh, they're a band that's kind of like all over the map a lot of times. Like sometimes they'll be like drone or, you know, ambient type stuff. Then there's times they're like post-rock. And then this record, the newest record, has almost like a punk vibe to it a little bit. So we'll see what your thoughts are once you're done listening to the episode. And if you want to give any feedback on it, welcome to. I also got some classic sweet and some rat. And ooh. New Stack X to end it all. So here we go. Rock Water kicking off with Cruel Thing.
Racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming Champ and Flat Card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Dillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Kepler City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing. And they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp 
36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at A328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent ya. Alright, Static X. New stuff for them closing out our rock block today with Follow. Uh, not missing a beat there, uh, even though Wayne Stack is long gone now from us. But uh, as I know Neko and I talked about before, I had a chance to see that tour they did last year at some point. But uh, I ended up passing out, not because of drinking anything. I think I was just dehydrated and... I get tend to get claustrophobic in massive crowds, and it was so hot in there and everything, so I just, I don't know, just wasn't drinking enough water, I ended up falling down and passing out and being carried out by fucking uh, bouncers, you know, bodyguard, you know, security to let me outside, make sure I was okay. NECA was panicking, but uh, everything was fine, just too damn fucking hot. Um, and it was like, I think it was around the same time of the year, too, so. Um... Yeah, so a new record from them. I, I forget who they have on vocals, but he's doing a pretty good job with it. I don't know if he did vocals on this. I don't know if this is like... I, I can't remember if the bassist said that it was like leftover material with Wayne or not. But I, but I think the guy that filled in sounds almost like him anyway. But pretty cool stuff. St uh, solid record. Check it out. Uh, new stuff from Static X. Alright. So I came across an article the other day that I saw about Roger Ebert, and if you're an old guy like me, you grew up, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, with these two movie reviewers, Robert Ebert and uh, Siskel, I can't remember his first name, but he was the other half, he passed away a few years ago, but uh, they always used to be the big thing, you know, when it came to movie reviews, you know, they had their little show, and they would talk about certain movies and you know they reviewed just everything and anything and sometimes I didn't agree with them obviously and sometimes I did but both guys ended up becoming more pretentious more than anything and that's part of the problem but that's apparently what works for them as well and Roger's still around still doing his stuff but uh he apparently Yarkley has his 35 movies Roger Ebert hated and so I was looking through the list because I was kind of curious. I know he can hate just about anything and everything, and I was not disappointed. He, uh, I have a list of stuff that I think he's just so wrong about that I can't even begin to argue with it. But there's one particular movie that I know NECA would definitely disagree with it. But uh, there's a lot of stuff in there in this list that I would say, okay, I get it. It's really bad shit. Like, for instance, now I have... A sort of not diehard love for this film. I just don't mind it because I know exactly what it is and what it's trying to achieve, and that's Jason X, uh, 2001. That's the one where 
uh, Jason Voorhees goes into space and you know he gets like the suit of armor uh, through the na na thing nanobites or whatever it is that creates his new body and heals him or whatever. But so many hot chicks in it, and like the death scenes are very creative. Uh, just the whole atmosphere. But like when I saw the Hellraiser movie, it was one of the sequels that had something to do with space. It didn't have the same impact. It just didn't affect me the same way. Uh, Jason X is not like some masterful art of cinema, but you know what you're going into when you watch those kind of films anyway. And one of the things that Roger was saying was, well, this sucks on so many levels. Dialogue from Jason X, rare for a movie to so frankly describe itself. Jason X sucks on the levels of storytelling, character development, suspense, special effects, originality, and punctuation. And the thing is, if you're going into the film expecting fucking Citizen Kane, you're not going to get that. That's not what it's about. And I don't even like Citizen Kane, so it doesn't matter. But that's the kind of shit that happens when Roger watches some of these films. Now, he didn't like Godzilla 98, which I get it. That one I get. I mean, I didn't even hate Godzilla 98, but I, I understand why someone would dislike it. I know a lot of Godzilla fans have a love-hate relationship with that film. So I don't... I'm not surprised that Roger would dislike that film. Uh, apparently there was this other film called The Brown Bunny. I've never watched it or even knew anything about it. But one of the funny things was when he was busting on it, the director caught wind of it and said something about Ebert's weight. And Roger said, It is true that I am fat, but one day I'll be thin and he will still be the director of The Brown Bunny. So clearly he can have a sense of humor about it all. He, I'm sure he's taken the abuse over the years from directors and actors alike, so doesn't surprise me. Um, so, but here's some films that I thought that he was wrong on and just didn't get, and I think there's probably quite a few people that would agree with me on this. Uh, one, Armageddon, uh, the Bruce Willis flick from 98, I believe. Uh, yeah, Look, it, it's it's these are a lot of these are popcorn movies. There's a couple in here that were like a little more th uh, thought provoking, and I'll get to that. But Armageddon, for an action film, and I mean just drama and whatever, it, it delivered to me. A lot of great acting in that. Uh, I think Ben Affleck's in that as well. So like you have, uh, yeah, just a shit ton of guys in there. Steve Buscemi, I mean, it's really, really good film. I don't, I don't know why Roger would hate it. I didn't read what his comments were on it, but you can find this, by the way, uh, on mentalfloss.com. So just type in Roger Ebert's 35 Most Hated Films, and it'll pop up, and you can read it, you know, if you want. Um, other films that I thought he was wrong on, Tommy Boy, he says it was unfunny. He's fucking out of his mind. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. That movie's fucking hilarious. I still, to this day, it's one of my top five comedies ever. There's so many great lines in that. And he says there's none to remember by. I'm like, you're fucking out of your mind. I just, I fucked actually Neko last night when I was talking to her. Because we did a, a video chat. Like, I actually used a portion of that fucking uh, quote in there about him when he got hit over the face <laughs> by David Spade with the fucking 2 by 4 Like, I just, yeah, it's still memorable. Summer School... Uh, from 87 generally gets overlooked but however does have the uh, the young actress who at the time would become uh, a lot of vagina in the uh, Austin Powers movies the first one uh, 
It also has, uh, I can't remember his name, and it's um, shameful on me, but the main actor uh, who does um, NCIS. Uh, yeah, NCIS, so he plays Gibbs. Uh, but that movie was good. Like, I don't know if it's really, it's probably dated by now. I haven't watched it in years, but uh, that one I had some issues with. Ace Ventura, how the fuck does he not like that film? Again, another one that's really, really fucking funny. Um, the one that Neko would probably have a, an issue with is he didn't like Hocus Pocus. Now, I think I saw that for the first time with Neko a few months back, and I, I thought it was okay. I mean, I didn't get overwhelmed by it or anything. Uh, it wasn't that horrible to me. I mean, I, it's never going to make my best of list, but uh, Neko would probably have some words with him with that one. Uh, two films that I thought that were more thought-provoking and somehow... Roger just didn't get it. Like it did. It either went over his head, or he overthought it, or whatever. But uh, the first was the Usual Suspects with Kevin Spacey and uh, a slew of other guys in there, great actors. Um, a lot of twists and curves, especially the ending, surprise ending. So, like, how do you not like that film? Uh, really, as far as like he, he apparently Roger had some problems with the plot itself, like the story of itself. But I'm like, at that point, once, you, once you're getting through all this shit, it really doesn't matter what the overall plot is. We, I mean, it has one. But by the end, you're like, it's too fucking crazy and cool to care, like, really what else was even involved. So, I, I just, I thought it was a masterful movie. Uh, the other one was a Shyamalan flick, uh, The Village, which I know Nick and I both love, and he didn't like that one either. And... You know, whether or not the believability about it all is, you know, legit in terms of that something like it actually happened, that, you know, that, that doesn't really matter. Again, we're talking about fictional work. So the plot itself, uh, the way it was orchestrated and played out was great. Like, I just loved it. Um, now, Shyamalan's other flicks sort of after that, like The Girl in the Water... Um, Unbreakable was decent, but I think that became, that was before, yeah, that was before, I think, uh, The Girl in the Water. But anyway, uh, it wasn't until the last film, um, not Split, but the one after, the, the finality of it, that one I thought was really good. Um, Split, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't really what I thought it would be. But anyway, The Village was really, like, one of the better films that Shyamalan has. And the content is very good. So, I don't know. I, I, the list, there's a lot in there that you can say to yourself, why is he even bother watching these? And I would agree. Like, some of the stuff that he picked to choose was really bad. I like, I, like, even Jason X, why the fuck would you even bother watching that film? Like, it doesn't even make sense if you're not understanding what it's all about. Now, I, I remember these guys talking about old horror flicks from the 80s when they were on their show, and... You know, they would crucify a lot of them. Like, well, yeah, again, your content, you're not going into this with any real sense of, like, masterpiece theater or anything. So I don't know why they would spend that much time on it. Um, it's fun that they do it, but, uh, you know, again, I just make no, His list has some problems in there for me, but uh, what do they all say? It's all subjective. All right. 
Next music block, I got some stuff in Grand Sounds from a band called Psychoid, and I think this is actually a couple years old, so it's not really new, but it's new to me. Um, new stuff from Devastator, this is uh, another record I've got to kind of get into and check out more of. Um, cool stuff there. And then I, to kick it all off, I got brand new stuff from Voivod. It was only like a little EP. They have this song plus one that's like an orchestra version plus a couple of live tracks, I think. But um, this is called The End of Dormancy and New Voivod, and here we go.
salute you people of the underworld. I'm Nick from the Greek heavy metal band Accelerator and I want you to rock hard with the Metal Tavern Show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and I hope you hurt your ears listening to a hot brand new album. Hell yeah! How we doing, all? DJ Nubis, back with you on a Military Radio podcast. Closing out that block with brand new stuff from Devastator, Worship the Goat. So, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, Megalomania, Krypton Scully, we're talking a little bit about Sebastian Bach and Chris Jericho and the Twitter battle they were having. Now, there needs to be some, like, backstory here because... Sebastian Bach, uh, for those that don't know, he was a singer of the band Skid Row. Uh, came to big popularity in the late 80s, uh, a little bit early 90s, and as with all the hard rock and glam stuff phased out uh, when once grunge and alternative rock took over. But uh, Sebastian Bach really is a lead man, incredible voice. Like, he, strong voice. When they did, like, Slave to the Grind, it's massively that's like a metal song um so they they were one of the more harder acts coming out even though they were mixed in with all the other stuff that was around that time but to get to the point sebastian has always been his diva and i think even he would agree with it that you know he fits that mold of you know the rock star attitude and neko and i you know a few Years ago, uh, there was a show. I forget where we saw it. Um, it was, but it was. They actually, ironically, uh, no relation to Krypton Scully, but there was an actual three-hour show segment called Metal Mania, or Metal Mania, one of the two, and they would play all these old-school rock videos and metal videos. Um, but it was that same channel. It might have been VH1 or something like that, but I doubt it. But. On, on that same network, uh, there was this basically a reality show called Supergroup, and Sebastian was the singer. And it was a collaboration of all these different musicians. He had uh, Ted Nugent, um, Evan from Biohazard, and Scott Ian from Anthrax. So, and I forget who the drummer was. I want to say. I want to say it was Bonham's son, so I'm not sure. I have to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure those were the five that were all brought in, and they were they didn't have a choice in this. It was like, hey, we're doing this show. You're gonna be the guy that we want for this position to come in, and they they finally meet up at this house. It's almost like uh, Rock of Love and shit like that, where you just meeting up at the house, and then you go from there, and they were told that as a band they were to come up with a, I don't know if it was just one song or a few songs or a record but they were chosen to at least come up with like a song collaborate and you have to understand these guys were all coming from different backgrounds um, even though uh, Bonham and Bach had basically this rock, hard rock background because I think Bonham was actually part of the band Bonham during the late 80s for his own like hard rock act 
Uh, of course, he was John Bonham's son from Zeppelin and all that. Um, then you have Scott, who is a thrash punk dude. Then you have Evan, who is like metal, uh, hardcore type bassist. Um, so there's this like mishmash of genre influences and attitudes and whatnot and like early on Evan was kind of like man Sebastian's like a real pretty boy you know <laughs> I mean I'm sure they all get along I don't remember whatever happened to the show I think it was always hard to catch the entire series because it wasn't played all at the same time so we caught like maybe two or three episodes and never got back to it changing cable systems or whatever but anyway uh Chris Jericho, for those that don't know, he's a wrestler from WWE. I think he's no longer there, but now part of TNA or some other wrestling circuit or whatever. Uh, but he's been long known for WWE and uh, WCW, so he's been there for a while. He's actually a very cool dude. Um, he was recently on an episode of uh, Joe Briggs' drive-in uh, thing, a podcast or whatever you call it with his movies on Shudder and Chris was there for uh, Blood Sucking Freaks episode so he was giving commentary and they did like a silly song and whatnot but Chris has his band Fozzie which is a heavy metal band that he's had for quite a while anyway some fans were on Twitter saying hey Chris getting kind of old it's starting to look like Sebastian Bach there a little bit and Chris you know, lightheartedly, he'll he'll just run with it. You know, he was having fun. Say, yeah, well, two good-looking dudes, man. What he can say. Uh, but then, for whatever reasons, another fan says something about you know your voice is uh, better than Sebastian Bach's or something like that. And Sebastian caught wind of all this <laughs> and led to the uh, accusation that uh, Chris Jericho lip syncs. Now, I can't tell you whether or not it's good, uh, true or false, because I've never seen them live, and I actually only listened to a handful of tracks. I think I've only heard, like, one album in full, and I wasn't that impressed. That's not to say he didn't have some other songs that were decent. Fozzie was just never a band I really got into. But, from what I can tell, I don't think he's faking, and I don't think you can have... You know, a few, you know, I think he has at least, the band has at least like five or six records to their name. So it's not like they only have one record and then like all this shit comes out. Now, this could be strictly about live environment. I think that's sort of what Bach is alluding to that when he watches videos, it looks like he's limp syncing. I have no idea. I can't be the judgment on that. Uh, I, I, but I think the thing that gets me about all this is that Sebastian's taking shots at Chris when it's not really Chris's fault that the fan bases are comparing him or, you know, saying things bad about Sebastian and, you know, trying to prop up Chris. So Chris really has been just, like, taking the high road and not really dissing on Sebastian, trying to make things nice and whatnot, but... You know, Sebastian's one of those guys that likes fucking attention. And he just does that. Uh, when he was on that supergroup show, they were supposed to, like... He was supposed to come in and do something with somebody. Like, one of the agents or... I think it was some chick he was supposed to, like, do an interview with. That's what it was. It was an interview he was supposed to do. 
but Sebastian blew it off only because he, he has this like regiment that he does in the morning. He gets up, runs for like a, an hour or whatever. Uh, he says he says he needs like almost forty minutes to an hour to wake up and get prepped and be ready. Like it, it was just like a whole thing. Like, but it turned in not from like forty minutes, but it turned like to a half a day. Where by the time that uh, Sebastian was ready to do the interview, the chick was like, well, why bother? We were supposed to do this like four hours ago. So, again, Sebastian admittedly is a big diva and he needs a lot of work to keep up his look or whatever. But, you know, he, he's taken shots at Chris, I think, that are unnecessary. and it, it's, I don't understand it, but maybe it's just for him to get some sort of publicity or whatever. Um... Apparently, though, more recent news is that Jericho is challenged back to a sing-off with no effects, no tuning, no bullshit, in response to Sebastian's accusations. Um, so now Chris is basically not taking a high road, and he's coming back and saying, I'm a better singer than you, let's do this. Uh, and then, But on the other, another article on Blabbermouth, you know, Michael Sweet from Striper has actually come to the defense of Jericho uh, saying that, you know, it's not lip sync or mimicked or anything like that, so I think it's great that Michael does that, because I think it's just you know, you, you, there's coming after artists for certain things, no matter if it's uh, a battle between two bands or whatever, but I mean, when you're taking a shot at someone's profession like that, I mean I think what happens sometimes is people think, well, Jericho's a wrestler, so how can he possibly be a singer? Well, that's not one deal with the other. Like, it's just actually he's multi-talented. You look at a lot of the actresses and actors in, in Hollywood, and many of them can do both acting and singing. Fucking, um, you know, to some level, Emma Watson does some singing, but then Anna Kendrick, like, amazing singer, really. Uh, and she's an amazing actress. So, like, there is multiple talents there with some of these people. So it's not too surprising that a wrestler could be that. I mean, fucking... Oh, man, what is his name? Shit, I forget. From uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. The wrestler there, he became a pretty good actor himself. So, Sam with Dwayne and Rock Johnson. They're just... You can do all multiple things. So I, I think it's just kind of a shitty thing for Sebastian to start criticizing someone about lip-syncing. And I don't know, but... Either way, if they do this, like, you know, sing-off, I want to check it out. I think it's interesting, and it'd be kind of uh, cool to see what happens. Maybe they both get some attention from it, which don't know if they both really need it at this stage, but anyhow, maybe it might put an end to all the bullshit that they're talking about. All right, back into another block of music. Diabolical Oath, Skeletal, new stuff from them, but I got some new stuff from Ruin. I think this is actually a compilation of their stuff um, from Horror Pain. It's called Into Endless Chasms.
Hi, this is Isaac Goldsmith.
right, brand new stuff from Doom Cave, Bear Your Cross. DJ Nibbits, Metal Time Radio Podcast, episode 73, coming to a close. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, checking this out. Hope you all will stay with me while Neko is out, of course. Uh, special thanks to Krypton Scully from Metal Mania, Sky Nielsen Promotions, uh, and all the bands and labels that support the Metal Time Radio Podcast. Much appreciated. And, of course, all the fans and whatnot. Going to leave out of here with one track from uh, another track from Horror Pain. It's called Visceral Violation is the band, and the song is called Carnival Cannibal. All right, all. See you until next time. Ciao, ciao.